Welcome, and thank you for tuning into Organon, the official podcast of Ology Research Group, exploring contemporary social issues via data, insights, and change. According to an article found on NBC News, total student loan debt is close to reaching $1.5 trillion and is still on the rise as colleges and universities continue increasing tuition over time. These days, earning a college degree may seem like something that's totally out of reach, unless you pull out a ton of loans or you get a full-ride scholarship as an athlete. On this episode, we're joined by Matthew Einson. Einson, did I pronounce your right, last name right? Einson. Einson, thanks. Co-founder of Free Education University, an organization that teaches current and prospective students and parents how they can get their education paid for without pulling student loans. Matt, where where were you like eight years ago? <laughs> uh, I was uh, getting my own uh, degree paid for by other people's money, so um, and not my parents. I yeah. mean, other you know scholarships and foundations. So that's where I was eight years ago. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, present today to have this uh, very relevant uh, conversation from New York City, we have myself, Carl Etamendi, and Jasmine Etamendi, and recording from Los Angeles, we have. Hey there, Casey Shep. And Matthew, welcome to the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Okay, great. Uh, Casey, do you want to take it away? Sure. Um, tell us more about how you co-founded your organization. And because it sounds fascinating. And um, yeah, it's like, go to college for free? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it... Uh... So I went through my undergrad without taking out any loans, and I didn't do it the typical way. I didn't uh, qualify for any low-income funding, uh, and I didn't qualify based off of my grades because I didn't have high grades. I wasn't some sort of athlete. And so I, I pieced it together in all these different ways uh, through different scholarships and local resources and different funding mechanisms uh, on campus and off campus. And then, you know, one of the things that our friends did when, after we graduated is, right, we talked and, and we said, oh, how, mu how much money do you owe? Oh, how much money do you owe? And, you know, someone would say, oh, 20000 30000 and, you know, and then they'd get to me and I would say, oh, I don't owe anything. And then they would really get intrigued by my story. I would tell my story and then, you know, people just started calling me and saying, hey, you know, Matthew, I heard from so-and-so that you did it without taking out loans. I'd love to hear more. And, and it kind of built into that in the younger years. And then uh, I went to grad school the same way. I thought, well, if I didn't pay for it for my undergrad, I'm not going to pay for it for my grad. And again, uh, usually in grad school, it's there's only really two ways, which is either through scholarships and grants uh, or through like a fellowship that the institution gives you as a full ride. And I did not get uh, – there was no fellowship at the school that I went to that gave me a full ride. So I had to piece it together again. And then the same thing happened where people were asking me about it. And then I ended up speaking at a conference in front of about 60 graduate students, told my story and all the details. And then a couple of grad students came up to me <clears throat> at the end of their conference and said, well, this is, uh, this is really great information, but like, how would I do it if you weren't around? And I was like, that's, that's a great question. I mean, I, you know, you can call me. And, uh, and so I decided to take that as kind of a sign of, okay, let's start building curriculum and let's start really building things out. And so, uh, about three to four years ago, I started accumulating all this information that I had helped other people with and how I helped them and how I did it myself. And I just, you know, got on a big whiteboard and I was, uh, <laughs> 
uh, for like two weeks, I, I probably spent three to four hours in the library on a whiteboard drawing out everything that I had done and how I did it. And like, how would I teach someone else how to get from like A to B, from B to C? And it was just, uh, it just took time. And then finally I, I created this, you know, program and curriculum based off of my own experience and experience with others over the last 10 years and decided to finally really start putting it into full time. The other thing that I also have is uh, about six years of experience in higher education. So in admissions and financial aid. And, you know, I loved it and I loved teaching people there, but it was limiting because I would only teach people that were interested in that school. And so that's when I really decided about a year, year and a half ago to really break out on my own and say, okay, I want to be able to help any student that wants to go anywhere they want to go and make it happen for them, whether or not it's a, a private university, a four-year public, a community college, a vocational and technical school, uh, you know, I don't want there to be any limit on uh, where they want to go and, and how they want to you know, get there. And then I can give them the, the resources through funding. And so that's kind of how I started Free Education University. Are these, are you helping them find grants or private institution grants or where's the money come from? So the money comes from all over. I mean, obviously the lowest hanging fruit when you apply to uh, an institution is the is the merit-based scholarships, right? You know, you can get scholarships based off of your application. But the other thing that people don't understand is that not only can you, you you'll automatically get scholarships that way, but Here's a big if, – if there's one big takeaway from today, parents, right now it's, uh, it's what, mid-April mid almost. And the big, biggest thing that you can do right now is whatever financial aid award letter that you've received, so the scholarships, grants, the loans, all that stuff, you can go back to the institution that your kid wants to go to and you can go back to all of them and write an email uh, asking for more money. I'm, uh, and I'm telling you that most of the time they're going to give you more money. And so you, you know, you make a plea saying, Hey, look, this is who my kid is. This is our income level. This is the reality of things because, you know, the FAFSA doesn't take into account the reality of a family situation. It just takes the very surface level of what's going on with the family. And so, you know, I was just meeting with a family last night that supposedly their uh, estimated family contribution to their kid's college education is 16000 so the school didn't offer any more money, and yet the FAFSA didn't take into account that their medical bills are $16,000 a year because their kid has cancer. So, uh, you know, it, it, it just doesn't take into account that. So it's, uh, it's very unique, and it's very interesting. And so, you know, there's, you know, appeals that you can do for your FAFSA, but the most important thing, and very simple, is write a letter or an email to the director of admissions and director of financial aid and say, hey, look, here's my case. My kid's great. This is all their accomplishments. This is what they can do for the school. You know, this is what they can bring to the culture and community. And we need another 5,000. We need another 10,000, whatever it is. And that's, you know, one of the most simplest ways. So that's there. And then there's, yeah, private scholarships, there's grants, but there's also local community resources. You know, for myself, I received a uh, music scholarship from a local a church from a Presbyterian church, and I'm Jewish. So I'm Jewish. I have no affiliation with this church. I don't even know them, but I connected with my choir director and I said, Hey, do you know of any other resources uh, in the community? Because I don't know the community, but he would since he's a faculty member of the university. 
And he let me know that there was a local church. I went and networked with them, connected with them, and they gave me about three to four thousand dollars a semester uh, to go sing for them every Wednesday and Sunday. Uh, so again, there's there's a lot of different ways to get funding. Uh, I was working with a student, for example. He's a he was a semi pro golfer and wanted to study business, and so we ended up I ended up having him connect with other golf courses and pitching who he was and where he came from so that uh, he could get the golf course to pay for his education. That's what he ended up doing. So there is no one way. It's uh, And this program, that's what it, it's not built for like one style or one route to take. And unless you fit into that route, then you'll get to that end goal. This is like reframing how you tackle different funding mechanisms for your education. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm glad that you're bringing that up, uh, especially for all of our listeners out there who are either currently in school and are getting inspired by this conversation or those who are maybe seeking, um, you know, graduate education or for those high school students who are looking uh, towards uh, an undergrad. Like I, I know back when I was an undergrad that I did try to do like my own kind of outreach. It wasn't extremely success as successful as I would have liked for it to be, but I did get uh, a construction company to give me a thousand bucks a semester uh, to help me out. So, um, you know, I just, it just got to one point where I came to the realization that the, um, my award package that the school was offering wasn't going to cover everything. And I needed to do something else to see uh, what I can do about that difference. Um, so yeah. And, and I have a question for you on that one. That would be good. So that's a great story. So then did, did they, did that construction company advertise that scholarship or did you pretty much create it by just asking? I think I I may have created it. Um, it wasn't it wasn't something they had of like out there. And I'm sure there's tons of corporations and companies out there that are looking to to do like philanthropic kind of things. Of course, it's it's also in their in their best interest. Uh, once December 31st comes around, there's tons of organizations out there that are looking to, you know, to to spend their money on on charities or you know for things like that for for things like this. I think they'd be very open to helping to support a student's education as long as, you know, they, um, the student reaches out to them and they determine that it's something worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that, and that happens all the time. And, you know, one of my major principles that I tell people in the program is the only thing you always know is that you never know. So it doesn't hurt to ask the worst case scenario is they say no, which, mm-hmm. you know, is, is fine. But you know, that thousand dollars per semester, um, is, is worth even more than that because that would be a loan that you'd be taking out, right? So you're really looking at like the amount that that really saved you is $2,000 a year plus the interest rate if you would have taken out a loan instead. So, you know, those, you know, for, for those of you out there that are like, oh, a thousand bucks, you know, my tuition's 30,000, mm-hmm. you know, it, it snowballs. Money begets money. And that's what I've also noticed is like money just kind of keeps coming. And so, once you learn, you know, once you have one success, then it just brings more success and, and, and it kind of snowballs from there. So don't don't discount listeners uh, this story that he just gave, which is, you know, <clears throat> really simple. And it's uh, and it was just a thousand dollars a semester. But that's, you know, two thousand dollars a year. That's a big deal without having to take out loans. And that can be also a big deal on creating that win and then, and then snowballing and getting more wins. Right. Yeah, that's cool. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, and seems like uh, Jasmine's computer is resetting. So while that's happening, we'll just um, we'll just continue the conversation in the meantime. So I'm glad that you you know you had you had mentioned that you uh, have experience working in the admissions area too. And I I used to work in admissions and financial aid as well. And uh, I was working for the university in that capacity when I was uh, a student with Casey, and, and he he uh, can probably tell you that he had come to my office a couple times too. Now, there's um, I w- whenever we think about student debt, we we always sit back and say, "Oh, tuition's on the rise, tuition's on the rise." But I actually think that there's something to blame, and maybe there's maybe I'm wrong, but I the way that um, that. Well, universities tell the government what the cost of attendance is, right? So they'll tell them this is how much it is for tuition, for room and board, and for living expenses and whatnot. And to me, it kind of seems like it's in a, it, it's like a blank check where the school can kind of just say what that cost of attendance is, and then in turn, the student can get an award amount, can, can get a pa- an award package up to that amount, the cost of attendance. And I think that. Um, that's something that has allowed universities to increase their tuition more than they actually should have over a long period of time. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think, um, I think tuition, yeah, has definitely increased. I think over the last 30 years, tuition's increased over a thousand percent. Um, you know, and so it's, uh, it's definitely gotten out of control and I definitely do think there's something to it, uh, where tuition is increasing, which, um, you know, if, if, if people are finding more scholarships that go to the total cost, that all that money ends up going to the institution. So if they increase it, you know, more money gets to the institution, um, you know. And so, you know, there's, there's probably some schools where some scholarships can't, can't really afford to go to certain places. So, for example, like there's a full-ride scholarship called the Jack Kent Cook Foundation, and they offer up to $40,000 a year. Now, that is most schools, but there's a lot of schools out there still in the four or 5,000 universities that are out there that literally wouldn't be able to still afford it because you know the tuition would be $63,000. So they get 40000 from this Jack Kent Cook Foundation, and that still won't be able to afford it. I mean, it's kind of crazy when you, when you think about that some of the even bigger ones still can't even – uh, allow a student to go to any university and you would think that $40,000 a year would be, you know, <laughs> enough to go to a school per year. Uh, so yeah, I think it's been on the rise. And I also think that, you know, with what you're saying on, uh, just tuition overall, I mean, uh, working admissions, it, it's totally true that there is, uh, there's a discount rate, right? They can discount tuition if they want, uh, at least at some private universities, up to 40 or 50% of tuition uh, without them still, and still allowing them to make money off of per student, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, so there's definitely private universities that will, you know, I think uh, that they'll, they'll go up to about 45%. Mm-hmm. And so that means that's out of their pocket coming from, uh, you know, the Pell Grants because you're low income or different scholarships that are not based solely on admissions, like maybe they're endowment scholarships that you you are receiving, you know, that doesn't calculate into the 40 to 45% that they're allowed to, on average per student, discount 
their tuition if they wanted to. And obviously that is balanced with people that are full pays and, and that's balanced with people that are out of state if you're at a, a in-state institution. So it's very, it's very interesting. Um, Mm-hmm. It, it gets very interesting with how how tuition is really set up right and it is interesting i mean i i haven't really done any any analysis and maybe casey this might be a good idea for ology to try to see if we can dig through some data sets and find out but i, I it might be the case that the universities that are the higher um the higher dispersers of student uh, loan money are the ones with lower endowments Huh. Like you know what I mean? Because the the, yeah. the universities then don't really have to rely on their endowment, so their um their development divisions don't even have to work as hard because they're already getting revenue through their student loan programs anyway. What about state versus private universities? You think that will have an impact? Maybe. I think um at, at least in the case of Florida um, I think there's more like regulation power over the state and community schools. Like I know Broward mm-hmm. College has taken on um, an Obama era challenge to create a $10,000 bachelor program, which they did. Wow. Um, so maybe, I mean, I don't know. You know, what's interesting about that is if, they're, if they did a $10,000 bachelor's program, uh, was and that's for all four years? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, then the question is, I'm assuming then they would have no, uh, no, no scholarships and they would be making the full 10,000 per student, right? I mean, it's, it's possible. I mean, the, the students are, are also getting the, um, what is it? I think Perkins loans, maybe, um, so students are still taking out loans off of ten thousand dollars over a four-year period. It depends. I mean, some some for 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 South Florida. I mean, not not all students are going to be like you know um, full-time students that live on campus. So these are this is these are like um, very non-traditional students that still work full-time. Uh, some of them are parents, so the they don't they don't reap the benefits of being a full-time student. Got it. Okay. And then it's also a commuter school as well. Got it. So would this be an online program or is this an on campus program? It's it's majority on campus. They have some classes that are online, but yeah. But yeah, you do you do make a a good point, though, that if the schools do um, put forth uh, like an educational program like that, then something's going to get hampered on the other side. Right. Either. Uh, you're going to see high class, like high numbers of of, um, of students enrolled per class, which also um, hinders the quality. I think when you keep the classroom slice, uh, sizes a little lower, the students might have a, a more enriching experience. So, I mean, you know, there it, aside from cost, there's also cons on on the other side too. So it's kind of like a seesaw, you know. Yeah, you know, like even what is it? It's uh, New York is now offering, you know, free tuition into their in-state. Uh, but I think one of the stipulations to that is that you are required to work in that state uh, mm-hmm. after you graduate for a certain amount of time. I think for a certain amount, like a certain amount of years, that you actually, you know, essentially mm-hmm. borrowed the money. Now the only, I guess, oh, go ahead. 
Yeah, you can. And if let's say you want to do your master's or your doctorate as well, you you can um, defer you coming to work to the state after you come back and you complete your degree. You can also do that as well. You know, so then my only other thought is that I know, at least in my family that's up in New York, they don't work in New York City. Uh, You know, they work in the surrounding areas like, you know, Jersey and Connecticut and stuff like that. So it's, you know, so then what if you don't find, you know, you don't find your dream job in the States. So then, you know, you need to spend the now into the next four to five years. There's pros and cons. There's give and take no matter what. You know, even in 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 my way, in my style, I put in a good amount of hours per week. It was like a, you know, it's like a part-time job of networking and connecting and applying to different things. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you either, at the end of the day, with all these different possibilities, uh, you know, even there's a, a list of universities where they are free tuition. Uh, if you work for the, you know, when you work for the school, like as a student, so like a College of the Ozarks, you can be a work study and work 20 hours a week and get school for free. You know, but again, there's there's pluses and minus to everything that uh, is out there, and you know, including mine. Mm-hmm. The plus is, yeah, you get your education uh, uh, paid for without having to take out debt. The the con is that you got to put in a lot of work to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's, you know, it's it's a good fifteen, you know, twenty hours, um, you know, a week that I would recommend you doing to stay on top of rolling in funding mechanisms for yourself so that you can not have to take out loans. Now you won't always have to put in 15, 20 hours, but there might be some times. And so I tell people you either pay now uh, in whatever mechanism that you decide on, or you pay later with interest. Mm -hmm. That's, those are your really two major options that, that anybody has. And I would rather, you know, I just met, I met someone a couple weeks ago. She put in 80 hours of work a week of, um, of two to three jobs. And that's how she paid for school. You know, wow. she went. So she she graduated in three and a half years. Uh, she took summer courses, took online courses, uh, took university, took community college courses, and and made it work. And she graduated with no debt. She didn't go the way that I went through scholarships and grants and other funding mechanisms, but you know, she made it work. And now she can say that she has no debt. And she paid her due. So you'll pay it no matter what. Mm-hmm. That's the crazy part. You yeah. Know, either day, either way, effort is required. Yes. And it's either going to be, you know, effort, which is dollar for dollar, or it's going to be effort where it's like dollar plus whatever, you know, your interest in principle is. So, you know, it just depends on what, you know, what you want to do. It's choices. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I also see kind of like a, I want to hi- hypothesize like another pro con that I see happening in the world of student loans. So the, we're now seeing, um, programs such as public service loan forgiveness right mm-hmm. and uh, i think that um what what's going to happen and we might not be seeing it yet but what i think is going to happen is that we're going to see lo- huge cohorts of students competing for public service jobs that don't exist mm-hmm. and you know it's it's unfortunate uh that it was only you know limited to th- that the loan forgiveness is only for what constitutes quote unquote um public service but i think um we're not feeling it right now but eventually there's going to be a lot of competition for very few positions in public service and that might be an issue in the next next several graduating cohorts i think especially those who take out a lot of student debt and are hoping to get a job in public service in order to repay their student loans um, in full within 10 years. 
Yeah, what's crazy about that, if I remember, they're pretty strict on that. Like, you have to actually be working within the public service for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, to even keep, you know, and in our generation, right? How do you, to keep us the same job for 10 years or even like in within the same industry for 10 years is crazy right now. So the fact like that, you know, even that was made under that stipulation of 10 years is, you know, I mean, to make payments of 10 years, fine, you know, make minimum payments great but to keep the same job or keep within a nonprofit or a service-based industry for 10 years and take no breaks i mean i don't i don't i don't see it i mean i would be uh, I, w- I would be interested to see how many people because we should be coming up on either the first or second people that would have been able to accomplish the 10-year mark uh, mm-hmm. within the last couple of years i would assume and i wonder how many of those people uh, like if there's been any research done on how many people <clears throat> started out with doing the program and then dropped off. Cause you know, cause you can start the paperwork and then I wonder how many people have started paperwork and has consistently done it for the last decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I bet you that number started out huge and I bet you that number is very, very small right now. Right on how many people are actually qualifying for that for that program for the and you have to recertify too every year you have to recertify yep. with the program because they yep. want to make sure that you're working at the same spot so you can't yep. just say oh i'm gonna keep making payments for 10 years i certified the first year nope every year they make you recertified as well yeah you have employer. to recertify you have to recertify every year then you have to uh you, you can't miss a payment i think you also, if you miss a payment, there's there's penalties on that on whether or not you qualify. Yeah, I, if you if you miss a payment, it kind of it kind of um, you're kind of Restarts. screwed. You care, you're kind of screwed. You kind of miss on that whole year because um, yeah. when you submit your annual uh, uh, public service loan forgiveness form, that's when they count the twelve payments that you've made um, from the moment they receive the form until um, you know twelve years uh, twelve months prior. Um, so if you miss if you miss one, then it doesn't like um, that that month doesn't count for you. So it kind of like adds it on the front end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah it it's should crazy. Be, it, it I mean, should, should be interesting to see if uh, if if this co- if uh, this upcoming cohort of students are or or the ones who have been on this uh, public service loan forgiveness program will be able to actually discharge their debt. Yeah, and that would be. An- easy look i mean i again that would be an easy look up of calling them and just saying hey how many people started the program 10 years ago and how many people are still in it 10 years later i bet you because mm-hmm. they should do like I a bet you like out of a hundred a report or something on that like a you know a, a, every 10 years do a report so they can highlight that because it is like part you know a partnership with that was done federally and then also with the department of education and all the loaner the people that distribute the loans so it would make sense for them to report out just like now most institutions are asked to report out on how their students are doing once they complete their degree like where what job placement what does that look like now for them because what we're seeing now is that with the achievement academic achievement is that students are now going to college for six years instead of four years so that's that that's also when you're talking about getting funding whether it's like federal or state or institutional aid and now looking at many scholarships as possible um, that's that's also going to be 
more work and also your services will also be needed more because students are now there they have they have no idea because the system is getting more and more complicated and at the same time if tuition keeps going up or if they enrolled at a certain time where they only needed a certain amount of credits and now um you know they're grandfathered in but then there's these new policies that are coming in as well so that also affects everything and i know in new york um and other states as well financial aid will now be available in the summer so that was something that was limiting before where financial aid was not available in the summer yeah and 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 you speak to a lot of great points you know one of them is uh absolutely it is very rare for a parent to know that um that the graduation rate that is given to you whenever you look it up is on a 6 year basis it's not on a there is no 4 year graduation rate anymore not really you know whenever a school gives you a stat that says here's our graduation rate it is for a 6 year graduation rate i actually uh, gave a presentation uh earlier this week and a parent was like oh yeah my kid is looking at going to stanford and we when we went to their orientation kind of like day uh, they gave us a stat that it was like in the high nineties at their graduation rate. I said, Oh, so that's for their six year. Probably. He's like, no, I think it's their four year. And I'm thinking, really, that would be really high for any school, any school to have a 95% graduation rate or 96 for a four year, even something like an Ivy school, like Stanford or Harvard, and so, you know, we looked it up and it was for six years, you know, their, their four year was like 79%, which is still great. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, most parents don't realize that just the graduation rate, it's the, the whole system shifted over and no one told anybody, no one said, Hey guys, we're no longer doing four years. It's really six years. Like no one said anything. It was just kind of like a move that everyone did. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that's huge. And, and the other thing is, you know, uh, that, that makes me think of whenever you're on that six year graduation rate or even like four, between four to six, uh, you know, you need to budget, you know, that, I mean, you need to watch what you're bringing in and what you're bringing out, you know, for all you, you parents and, and, and your kids out there, have them budget every semester and have them budget every month and, and really watch what you're spending. Because even though I got all this different scholarship money, I still had to live on a budget, I couldn't go out to like Starbucks every day and spend six, seven bucks on something because at the end of the day, that w- that could equal another, you know, $1,500 or two grand that I needed for the next year, year and a half just to go to Starbucks once or twice a day. So, uh, you know, please, you know, you, you, you know, I started every semester with a budget of where I needed to be every month. And then I checked on myself every month to make sure that I made it because if I didn't, then I knew that I needed to start looking for other sources of funding if I started to slip or I needed to watch what I spent. Um, you know, and that includes even books. Book is, books are a huge cost, right? I mean, it's crazy. So, I mean, everything's gone up. It's not just tuition. The entire cost of living. I mean, if you look at, you know, total cost at even, uh, I was talking to a family last night, their total cost to go to a state school in Colorado is like $33,000, they, $35,000. They charge them an extra 4000 to be in the engineering program. So now they're looking at $39,000 total cost to go to a state school now. Is that, that for is, four years or six years? That's, uh, that's per year. That's oh, per, per year, year. yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like, that's crazy. You know, so, you know, families out there, it's no longer a 
game of can you afford tuition? It's not only can you afford tuition, and that's also you know brings me to another thought is you know be careful with the the word full ride. Do your homework. Whenever school says like, oh yeah, we're giving you a full ride, please ask. Does that include uh, tuition, books, uh, uh, dorm, you know, room and board? Um, you know, does that include fees too? Because there's fees associated with everything, right? I mean, fees can, you know, are a huge amount. So even when they list, let's just say total cost of $33,000 at, at, at this school that they were going to, there's still a bunch of fees that are also associated that they don't even tell you about until you get enrolled. You know, you can have another 200 bucks to 500 bucks of, of fees and different things that are going on uh, based off of classes that you're taking or things that you need, you know, especially if you're getting into some school that's, uh, you know, like an engineering, I, I bet you there's some good lab fees associated with those classes. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, you just, it's interesting. So any help that you can get, the better. Yeah. I'll just throw in a plug, like from my experience, when I went to um, my undergraduate, I ha- I was a Pell Grant recipient. And so mm-hmm. I had everything, you know, I had my classes paid for, but then now my living expenses were something that I had to struggle with. Like I pulled out a loan. So for that first year, I pulled out a loan and living in the dorms, I was able to have an RA on, on my floor. And I was like, he, I saw that he had <laughs> a meal plan and a room um, housing covered. And so I was like, I want that job. <laughs> And so I I did whatever I could to to just get familiar and I saw that the interviews were happening like a year later and I applied and I actually I didn't make it. I didn't make it the first round because they felt that I was too shy at first. They're like, you know, you're 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 kind of soft spoken, you're shy. And then I proved to them I like reapplied because they there were some spots that the candidates that they selected didn't get. So they re-interviewed me right then and there. And they're like, you're on our alternative list. And so I ended up getting it. So for my last three years, in my total four years, I was an RA. So luckily, I was in a residential campus. And that allowed me to cover um, a stipend for food. And then housing was covered as well. So literally, like, that helped. And then I had the Pell Grant and that paid for my classes. So I was able to graduate in four years. Um, I wasn't able to take summer classes because at that time we didn't have financial aid in the summer. And if I did take summer classes, I would have to pay for those, um, you know, pulling out a loan to do so. So that was one of the things that I had to always consider. And being the first, um, you know, my family to go to college, it was kind of like trying to figure all this out as well. But that's a plug also that students can also look into, like maybe not their first year, but their second year, they could apply for either working in the residence life and housing, and you can get some, you know, some benefits to help cover the cost as well and gain leadership skills. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I would say any, any, you know, parents listening, if your kid does a lot of babysitting, then definitely apply in your first year. If Mm -hmm. you have any sort of experience watching uh, people or if they're like camp counselor experience you know, essentially, if they if they have had any experience leading or facilitating groups, they should definitely think about applying their first year. And even if they don't get it, at least they get on the radar of, you know, the director of housing or the other RAs. And then I would say if you do have a shy kid and they go in and let's just say, you know, that is maybe one of the stipulations, I would definitely say uh, in your first year, um, 
I, I would give advice to actually plan an event, you know, plan mm-hmm. an event in your, uh, and, and connect with your RAs, right? You know, really get to know them so that they get to know you so that they have no preconceived ideas of like who you may or may not be. You know, you might not be shy, you know, but you might come off that way somehow. And that's, and then they have this assumption and then now they judge it on that. And so don't let them, you know, get to that point. And I would say any student out there in your first year, connect with your RA several times and really get to know them and get to know the job. And then in your spring semester, plan an actual event with an RA and say, hey, I'd love to plan an event. Let's do something fun. Let's do a food drive or whatever, whatever thing that, you know, moves you and, and is you're passionate about. And then what you're going to do is after you plan the event, then you'll connect with the director of housing and apply for that position for the next year. And you'll more likely, most likely get it because now you have a letter of recommendation for that job from the RA that you did the event with. So then it's like a plug in like automatically. And there's like, okay, yeah, she executed the event. She planned it. She did this. She did that. And then boom, like you don't even have to worry about it. And so, um, yeah, you, you know, you always want to ask and you want to and get to know your resources. I remember at my school, I found out uh, whenever I was graduating Pretty much the semester I was graduating, uh, I got into student government, and I found out that the vice president and president of student government got uh, full funding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, you oh, did too my in my school. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, I wish I would have known that. So there's there is so much that parents and students don't realize that are funding resources that are on campus. Like I got I got uh, funding from the chemistry department, but that wasn't my major. You know, and most people think, oh, well, you know, the only way that you can get funding from a department is if it's the you, the one you're majoring in. And it's and it's just not true. You know, I got money from the music department, uh, chemistry department, biology department, English department. My major was psychology. I got money from all the other departments. Uh, and, and actually, the only one that I didn't get money from is my own department that I majored in. So it, it's it's crazy. And so, you know, there's a lot of a lot of potential and a lot of resources and a lot of ways to get to a debt-free education that is uh, about taking advantage of your institution. Because again, I think there is a, a plethora of resources just on the institution that nobody tells you about. You can, you know, there's no orientation to like, Hey, here are the 50 different ways that our institution can fund your education. (laughs) Like there's, there's no orientation like that. You know, there is, you know, Hey, figure it out. You got to Google it. You got to talk to the right person. Right. And, and a mm-hmm. campus like, uh, uh, let's just say NYU or UT Austin or, or, or any, you know, major uh, uh, state school like ASU. Right. They have thousands and thousands of employees. How do you know which one is the right one to talk to? You know, and that could even take, you know, days to figure out. So it's um, it, it's it's crazy. But, you know, having someone that's been there, you can either go the slow route, which is you know, parents and students, I always say, like, you can figure out what I figured out for sure. Or you can have someone that's been through it, show you how to do it. Um, and, and you know, that's what it is. You know, I would say even talking to another alum, like, you know, uh, talking to alumni from the school and say, hey, what are some resources that you tapped into to help you fund your education? Uh, you know, every every institution has that, you know, person. So that would be another, again, it's reframing you're thinking so that you can, you don't need to know everything. You just need to know the questions to ask and where to go. And so, you know, you can connect with admissions and say, Hey, I'd love to talk to some alumni. And do you have any alumni that receive different scholarship money? Cause that will always stick out to people like, Oh yeah. You know, even at the school that I was in admissions with, 
there was a guy that got a $40,000 scholarship. And I will always remember, you know, this guy, because it's a very rare thing for someone to come in with big outside institutional money. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it's these different resources that people need to get oriented on to figure out what their best path is. Cause not everyone maybe wants to write a scholarship essay. Maybe they do want to work hard and they want to work at a labor job or they, they want to do that hard work, which is fine. You know, so everyone has their niche of strength and it's about tapping into that and, and getting funding for it. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, well, this has uh, certainly been a very interesting uh, episode, and I'm sure a lot uh, to our listeners are getting a lot of uh, valuable information and getting some ideas on um, on how they can go about paying for school. Uh, so, Matt, how, what is the best way for for those listeners that do want to reach out to you for your services? How can they contact you? So the best way is, you know, you can check out uh, my website. So it's freeeducationuniversity.com. So it's freeeducationuniversity.com. And there's some, you know, videos of me and some content that explains more of like how I work and what I do and the programs that I offer. Uh, but also, you know, you can get my free course. You can get you can get my first course for free. So, you know, you you um, you can sign up for that and I can literally it's, you know, it, blows you through like the entire my story and how you can start getting funding today uh and so anybody that's that's listening and wants that uh you can definitely do that just to kind of get uh, acquainted with you know how i work and what my story is and 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 uh, start you know being able to find funding uh for yourself and then if you want to move forward great but you know there's a lot of good content there okay cool um so now um that we're a little over the 30 minute mark in the episode, we usually like to go uh, at this point to the bottom line, which is where we kind of ask just one um, bottom line question and we just kind of take turns answering it. Casey, do you want to do the bottom line question? No, I'll defer to Jasmine because the last one. Okay. Sure. So for today's bottom line question is, we've been talking a lot about college and funding and what does this mean depending if you're going to a private public community college or a very specific college that focuses on like more career track or being a musician or different things like that but one one of the things that I'm interested in learning from from everybody and posing the question is in your experience what other outside funding or scholarships did you even think of applying or did you apply and kind of like, how did that go with the whole outcome? Like why, why didn't you apply or why, why did you, you know, if you did apply and you did receive it, like how did you feel that it was beneficial? Casey? Man, I think I would take that for me. I didn't apply to another um, funding. I wish I should. Just listening to this conversation just made me realize, wow, like I spent so much in my graduate schooling um, thinking that grant right, the, you know, the, the government grant was the only way to go. And um, but I also think this also maturity and kind of um, kind of financial smartness, because I didn't have that. <laughs> I don't think I still have that now. But, uh, <laughs> you know, like, 
I was so focused and determined in my schooling to get my degree that it, the, the cost to me was, I felt like it was worth it. But looking back, I, I, I wish I had more insight to say, okay, well, I could reduce um, the amount of grant I took from the government and do X, Y, Z. So this is the one thing that I would like, take away from this conversation would, would be, um, I wish I'd done more of those, what we discussed today. And Carl? Sorry. Uh, so I think I'm kind of in line uh, with Casey a little bit. I did try, though. One thing that I did do while I was in school incessantly was work. And that's kind of how I decided to pay for my living expenses. Uh, I did uh, get a chance to be a part of the Pell Grant program as well. But at least my perception, um, being a student in the South Florida area, which is a city that requires you to have reliable transportation because public transit kind of sucks, was kind of expensive as an undergraduate student. So it's just something that you need to um, keep in mind depending on which city you choose to go to school. So to give you an example, I've met several students who have been uh, full-time students in the South Florida area who came from other major cities that have public transit and they didn't have a vehicle and it was very difficult for them to get around to do anything so their kind of uh, whole college experience was hampered by the fact that they didn't have reliable transportation um, and that can also affect your ability to get a job because you you may have to drive a half hour in any direction depending on where you live um, but for me, uh, I, I did also work at the university. Uh, so I did participate in a tuition waiver program, which was extremely helpful for graduate school onward. Um, and right now, as a, as a worker um, of public health, I have now um, access to public health uh, related money um, that I'm taking advantage of as I continue my training and, and whatnot. Um, so I, I am a little bit more aware that there's money out there. It's kind of like, you know, you just got to put invest the time. But if, if you do put in the time and the effort, it'll be worthwhile afterwards. Mm-hmm. And Matthew? Uh, <laughs> we I know had, that you did. <laughs> well, yeah, but, you know, I'll speak to, you know, I had a lot of failures. And uh, I... Uh, it, it was not like I went in and I was like, oh, uh, you know, like the, the clouds parted and it was just easy. You know, <laughs> there, there was um, there was a lot of uh, grit involved in this. And, and I think that's, you know, most important is that at the end of the day, you know, it, it is somewhat of a numbers game. You know, it's you know, you are applying to multiple, you know, you're not just applying to one and. Um, I, I applied to a lot of different things and networked in a lot of different ways. And there was a lot of things that I failed at and the failures helped me out a lot because, uh, every time I looked at it and was like, okay, what did I, what did I miss? What did I do wrong? What can I do differently? And actually I, I have a really interesting story. It was for grad school. Um, I connected with, uh, a place called the Workforce Investment Act. And uh, every every city and every state has like a Workforce Investment Act and they and they name, name their building or their organization. 
pronunciation is something different, but um, here it was called NACOG in, in Arizona. So that's like uh, Arizona Commission of Governments. And their job is to get you a job. And so I, uh, I had worked with uh, a, a program like theirs in Pennsylvania where I received $10,000 to go and get uh, GIS training. And GIS is Geographical Information Systems. And so I was in grad school and I was thinking, oh, like, like I want to get them to pay for uh, my grad school. And I knew that historically speaking, they were really good at paying for undergraduate experience and or like vocational technical. So some people might look at that and be like, okay, like they're not going to pay. There's no reason to even go for it. But after years of failures and experiences and hearing the word no or can't or, you know, I don't know. I started, you know, just inquiring, and I uh, I remember calling them, and I was like, "Hey, do you have any uh, scholarships for for graduate students?" And they're like, uh, "No, sorry, we don't have anything." Click, hang up, and I'm thinking, "Okay, that's weird." So then I call them back, and I'm like, "Okay, do you have any uh, you have any grant money for graduate students?" No, we don't pay for grad school. <laughs> click hang up and i'm just like oh my god like what am i missing like i know they have money like i know they have money for education so i started doing some research on their website and they you know they have a very particular uh verbiage you know so i uh uh so i found that they they really like the words uh continuing training and education so i called back and i said okay i'm just going to use their language and then once i get in then i will like see what kind of things are available so literally, so I called three days in a row, and, and this goes for anyone. Whenever you hear the word no, you really do need to determine, like, is it a true no, or is it like they just don't know, so they're saying no, or like, what is it? And maybe you need to call back and talk to somebody else. So this is, that's literally what I did. And so, because um, I was determined, that, and I thought, no, they definitely have money. So I called back a third time. I'm like, hey, I'm looking for, for funding for continuing training and education. And they're like, yeah, you can come in for orientation. We're having one next Monday. And I'm thinking my internal world is like, are you kidding me? Like I asked for funding. I asked for grants. I asked for scholarships. Like, why wouldn't you tell me about that? Like that, like, why wouldn't you just say, yes, come in and let's figure it out. But they didn't, they're very, uh, they're very particular on like what it is that they do. And that goes for any scholarship that goes for any grant and that goes for anything. So, you know, uh, you need to be very educated on like what they really offer so that you're speaking their language so that you can relate to them. So I, I figure that out and I come in and, you know, I, I qualify uh, for the program and, uh, you know, I connect with them and wrote a letter and, and did different things. And then I said, well, um, I'm looking for graduate school. And they're like, oh, we don't pay for grad school. Like we would pay for like a one degree, uh, you know, we pay for part of your degree if you're going to like a community college or technical and I said, well, <clears throat> what if you paid for like one or two classes, you know, because I can make an argument that one or two of my classes is technical training because I was doing some architecture classes and design classes. And so I said, hey, what, what about this piece? And they said, well, why, why, why don't you write a letter and then give it to us and let's see. And so I did. And they gave me six, seven thousand uh, dollars for That's grad great. school. So this is a program that doesn't ever pay for grad school that I just happened to, that I asked questions. And when they said, no, we don't do grad school. And then I said, okay, well, let's meet you a different way, right? So instead of paying for grad school, pay for like one or two of my classes that, that I'm acquiring a skill in. And they're like, okay, yeah, that, that's, that fits our parameters. It's a skill and it's not the full program and it's just one class and, or two classes. So they paid for two classes. 
And then I remember uh, the other great lesson that I learned is that I went back to them uh, whenever I was in my thesis and doing my thesis work. And I said, hey, I already got money from you once. Can I get some more money from you? And they're like, well, I don't know, but you know, let me see. And that's when I learned that they need to give the money away because if they don't, if they don't give all their money away, they get less money next year. So there's a lot of lessons and a lot of failures that got me to the point of being educated on how things work. And any failure that I that I went through, what I did is I asked a lot of questions of how it worked. Okay, I get that you're going to say no to me, but like walk me through how this all works so that I can be educated and know so that in like six months from now or if I go to a different organization that has a similar setup, I know what I'm looking at and I know what I'm looking for. So, you know, that's – I mean that was my experiences. You know, I, I – <laughs> I definitely failed a lot and I just didn't give up because I had a sole mission of making sure that I didn't pay for my education or took out loans where I'm paying even more for my education. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was, you know, that, I guess that's some of my success and failures and, and, that, and that story yeah. is a lot of Thank fun. Thank you for, for reminding us to making it count because with careful planning, um, you can, you know, get some sort of funding. So you just have to be smart and think about how you're going to how you're going to work that action plan out. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, great. This has certainly been a very interesting and um, informative episode. And now we'd like to turn to our listeners. What do you think? Or what have been some strategies that you have taken in order to pay for college? Or what could be some innovative ways? Are there any topics you'd like to hear on the show? Want to join us for an upcoming episode? Make sure to send us your thoughts at info at ologyresearchgroup.org and also make sure to follow us on Twitter at Twitter handle Ology Research. And uh, one more time, Matthew, how can our listeners get to your website? Go to freeeducationuniversity.com. So that's freeeducationuniversity.com. Okay, fantastic. Take care. <laughs>